This is Central Coast Public Radio, KUSP Santa Cruz, streaming and podcasting at KUSP.org. Coming up, it's the 7th Avenue Project. Hello, I'm Robert Polly, and welcome to the 7th Avenue Project. Today, on this special end-of-the-year edition of the show, we're going to bid good night to 2009, tuck it in, and sing it to sleep with some very special bedtime music. Lullabies, sung by the eminent Armenian folk singer Hazmik Hart Sunian and members of the Kitka Women's Vocal Ensemble from the Bay Area. We'll listen to selections from a live performance, learn about the deeper meaning of lullabies, luxuriate in the exquisite vocal music of ancient Armenia, and learn some of the history of its people. That's all ahead, so don't go to sleep just yet. All right, so today on the 7th Avenue Project, lullabies and songs of longing from Armenia. I'll be speaking with singers Hazmik Haritsunian of Armenia's famed Shohakan Folk Ensemble and Shira Sayan of the Bay Area-based Kitka Vocal Ensemble. Hazmik and Kitka teamed up this past fall for a series of performances of Armenian folk songs, and we'll hear pieces from a concert they put on in Fresno in November. Shira Sayan says that Kitka had admired Hazmik's work ever since they'd first heard recordings of the Shohakan Ensemble. I was just spellbound by the beauty of the music. The music of Armenia had, maybe the word is overused, but a, a haunting sort of quality. There was so much depth and emotion in it. The sad songs just encapsulated sadness like no other songs I'd ever heard. That sadness has to do with Armenia's tragic past, culminating in the 1915 Armenian Genocide. That's when Armenians were expelled from Ottoman-ruled Turkey and an estimated half million or more were killed. That history haunts even the children's songs, as we'll hear today. Meanwhile, Shira Sayan finally got a chance to see the Shohakan Ensemble in person at a performance in Montreal in 2005. I was just blown away. It was one of the most memorable, moving amazing concerts I had ever been to. And it was like I was one of those teenage girls at a Beatles concert that you see in the old <laughs> footage of the Beatles. I was just completely starstruck and, and blown away and so moved, too. The music just moved me so deeply. Shira introduced herself to Hazmik, and they decided to collaborate. At the time, Kitka had only one Armenian song in their repertoire, picked up from an old Soviet recording. Hazmik says she was delighted to teach them more. I was so excited. <laughs> I was very happy about that opportunity for me to teach and uh, why not it and to sing with them. What was the first song that you sang together? Some of lullabies. lullabies, yeah, I, I, think. I think, yeah. Do you remember which one? Anushkanik, which Anushkanik. is Sweet Dreams. Yeah. 
Azmik, you're well known for your performance of Armenian lullabies. <laughs> what is it about lullabies? Why why did you start performing them? Lullabies? Yeah. I don't know. That happened when I was uh, living uh, with my parents in my father's house, and my brothers, they get married, and they had kids. I was taking care of them, and they asked me to sing. I started to sing for them lullabies. And uh, they asked me ev- every night, every uh, afternoon when they were going to sleep, they asked me to sing something new. I thought, oh, I, I don't know much lullabies. I start look for it in the old books, in archives, and I start to ask people. I start to ask my teachers. I talked with uh, old women who were si- singing, and uh, they taught me a lot of lullabies. So you became kind of an expert in Armenian lullabies. Yeah, you can say And they weren't really considered a performance genre, you know, before that. Um, What can you say about lullabies as a song form? How do they differ from other kinds of songs? I mean, I know they're supposed to make babies go to sleep, but musically, how are they different? Uh, For me, they are most important uh, songs because uh, by the credo, like that's mother's part to make the baby understand his place in the universe. Yeah, in the universe. In the universe, mm. and um, lullabies for me not only their purpose to get uh, sleep the child. That's kind of uh, how can you pass it on all the traditional knowledge. It's almost like early, early, early childhood education. <laughs> yes, mm. yes. Uh, mm. uh, do you know that that's the most important education? Because uh, if you see the words, uh, lullabies, uh, there many, many times there is a question, who are the mother? Who, who is the mother? Uh, and that, um, that means uh, how close she lives with nature, how deep... Uh, emotions she had, they talk about their life, they talk about nature, they talk about Armenian history. You think um, you think babies are understanding in some way then? Oh, of course. I'm sure they're listening and feeling and understanding everything, what's going around of them until they're, become, they're becoming in this world. Hmm. Um, we heard a, a lullaby a moment ago, Anush Kanik, and the soloist there was Leslie Bonnet of uh, Kitka. I'd like to hear one now with you, Hasmik, as the soloist. This is called Nani Bala. Nani Bala, Nani, 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 Nani.
You were talking a moment ago about how lullabies um, connect the child with nature. And I was really interested in, in the lyrics on this one. Uh, they include these lines. The south wind rocks you back and forth. Let the stars converse with you and the sun and moon calm you. The wild deer will offer its milk. Yes. See? <laughs> I think you've said um, a lullaby connects the cradle and the clock of the universe. Yes. What do you mean by that? When mother sings lullaby for the child, I think some something magic going on. I can't I can't explain that, but I'm sure that happens. Because uh, uh, now, because we lost that um, tradition to sing lullabies, different uh, generations have a problem to understand each other. They they're having problems to understand each other, and sometimes. I heard many times the mother says, what kind of music are you listening? Uh, who needs that? That's uh, You should stop that music, but um, uh, well, well, who, whose mistake is this? Whatever uh, we saw, saw now, mm. then we are collecting that. How can you? Mm, we reap what we sow. Yes, yes, yes mm. that's it. Mm. Um. I want to hear yet another one with you, Hasmik, uh, soloing with Kitka, uh, backing you. This is Talishi Oror. Yes. Did I say that right? Yes, Talishi Oror, and that's one of the not many happy lullabies. <laughs> <laughs> there are not many that are happy. Yes. This one is. Unfortunately, because there's a history. There's history. We're going yeah, to talk about that. The mother tells history all the time, and mm. yeah. <laughs> well, we picked a, a happy one for the moment. And, and what do the lyrics in this one say? Oh, that's, um, I will cover you with small leaves. I will wrap you with big leaves. And nanai, nanai, nanai. And the sun, uh, sun will be your father. Moon will be your mother. Nai, 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 nai. Wild um, deer will give you milk. But uh, uh, she always gives not enough. <laughs> like, <laughs> nai, nai, nai. Then um, the trees will rock you. Aye. <laughs> so this is the second song in a row that we've heard that talks about the, the heavens, you know, these embracing heavens, the wild deer giving its milk. Mm -hmm. This really gentle, friendly idea of, of the universe and of nature. Uh, you know, where does that come from in Armenian culture? What, what, what is the world that that came from? Mm, I think that uh, comes from old, old uh, emotions, old days uh, before Christianity. Yeah? Mm. Because um, Armenians were pagans and before pagan times, they had another goddesses, goddesses, mm -hmm. goddesses, and um, I, I think the, uh, we became Christ Christians, but we uh, didn't lose the connection mm. with other goddesses, and uh, maybe that's why we are comparing all the time stars, moons, and uh, we have other. Uh, songs for the kids, like uh, children's songs, where everything it's like uh, 
they're asking water, they're asking sun from the different goddesses all, mm. and their names. The yeah? names are still remembered. Yes, of course, yeah. That's, there became like girl's name, oh. uh, boy's name. <laughs> for, for example? For example, uh, like Nar Nare. Uh, she was a goddess uh, like water. And uh, every year, in, in some day in June, we have water day. And the kids asking water from na nare nare, ah. and uh, they're singing special songs, making special noises, and ah ni nar nar ni nar nar nare all the time. It's many in many love songs. There is she is there in in many um, children's songs. She is there. She's she's everywhere. <laughs> mm. Listening to these and and not. Speaking Armenian, obviously, not knowing the lyrics, the feeling I get is um, that they are spiritual, that they're kind of ethereal, that that even if the theme isn't Christian, that they are re almost religious sounding. Is that your feeling as well? Yes, you are right, because um, in old times, they live it's like a ceremony, their whole life, it was kind of ceremony, whole life. Mm-hmm. And they they never sing uh, like uh, for nothing, yeah. Can I say that? They just for amusement. It wasn't the, just yeah, for amusement. Yeah, yeah. N never. They never dance like for uh, dancing. Isn't exercising? Mm -hmm. And dancing is a big uh, ceremonial uh, part. And singing too. In every ceremonial uh, day, in er every ceremonial. Uh, a traditional ceremony we have special dances special songs and we are lucky because we, we still kept that uh, tradition and whatever we lost we are trying mm. um you said that some of the imagery and some of the themes come from pre-christian times and christianity came to armenia in the fourth century we were first uh, country who became like a Christian country mm -hmm. in the world mm. Mm. in 301. Okay, so it was the 4th century. So that means these lullabies with their pre-Christian content yeah, go back even earlier. How old do you think these are? Lullabies? These? Yeah, these ones. I think nobody can say that. And f first uh, men or first uh, whoever was born, lullaby is there by the credo. So they're ancient. Yes, because uh, every basic uh, tell with some kind of sound, that's already a lullaby. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, are these still sung? Are, are a lot of these still sung by mothers to their children? Unfortunately, we're kind of lost that um, tradition, but um, I, I'm, I talk a lot about that. I, I sing a lot, and I teach uh, my students lullabies, especially girls. They are future mothers, and it's very important uh, to teach them traditions and lullabies. I'm lucky I had very good uh, roots. My roots are coming from historical Armenia, from Regen Mush. They're... Uh, in Mush, uh, in that area, everyone was singing and dancing. 
and uh, I grew up in traditional living style family with when but for those times we were we were living with uh, grandparents you mentioned that your grandparents were from this region called Mush in historic Armenia yes it's now part of of Turkey but it was yes. sort of central to historic Armenia before the Armenians were expelled one of the cultural centers one of the Mush like the uh, one of the biggest cities in that area, in Tarun region. So Mush still plays a big part in Armenian memory. It's still considered part of the homeland. Yes, because Mush and Tarun region, uh, there were uh, famous uh, singers, dancers, like cultural center, education center in Surp Karapet, one of the biggest uh, uh, monastery complexes. They were university, school. Mm. And while we're talking about historic Armenia, here is a lullaby from historic Ar- Armenia on which you get to solo, Shira. Uh, and we can hear the rest of Kika in the background. Um, tell us the name of this one and um, and what it's about. Uh, this is Butanya Ororotsayin. And I still can't believe that I got to sing it because... This one, to me, really, really moved me. I, I think I have a soft spot in my heart for the songs from historic <laughs> Armenia, and it was very humbling to sing it, especially in Hasmik's presence, but she was so generous-spirited and uh, about giving this. And this one also has the imagery about the winds rocking you, the stars and the moons being your playmates. Um, I place angels in your cradle to protect you, so there's all of that, the beautiful nature imagery, the beautiful poetry, the um, sort of the mother's love and, uh, you know, summoning all the powers in the universe uh, to place in the cradle to protect her child. Uh, and uh, yeah, the, the, the text is, is very, very beautiful. And the melody also just has that quintessentially Western Armenian Magic, I don't know what else to call it. Oh, 
So historic Armenia is no more. Uh, there is the Republic of Armenia, which is a small portion mm-hmm. of what used to be historic Armenia. Mm-hmm. And we've talked a little bit about a lot of these lullabies sounding sad for historic reasons. People very often ask me, why are these lullabies so sad? Why to sing sad songs to the child? For us, that's our history. And child then has to know that history because without that without knowing their history they can't go forward it's very important uh, to know your history and take it with you and if you know your traditions if you know your songs your dances your history your language uh it's possible to find your place in the world. Whoever you will go to live, you have to know who you are. And um, I think for the new generation, that's most important because uh, so many assimilation and uh, this globalization, that's all, all those things, they are dangerous for the old um, nations because we are losing more than we can get so so you're saying that that uh, this kind of cultural history this kind of tradition is endangered but should be passed on to the younger generation because you say it, it could help them in various ways yes now uh, the world kind of became smaller smaller and became everything is open and the new new generation, they're thinking to get education outside of the country. And they go somewhere, if they go somewhere without that uh, richness, which without that uh, heritage, traditions, language, history, and of course knowledge, I think they will be in trouble. Because... Uh, they won't have anything which, which could help them to to um, kept their self. No sense of identity, or, or that connection to your know who you are, knowing yes, who and you are and how you that, belong. That's uh, that's how they can be proud. Yes, of mm-hmm. something. Well, let's um, listen to one of the many songs you sing that that do um, touch on Armenian history. Uh, this one is called Hayrmej. And it's by very famous composer, Komitas? Yes. 
This was um, written in 1915. Yes. What was happening to the Armenians in 1915? And 1915, that's uh, in April. That was the month when uh, Turks killed more than one and a half million Armenians. This is the Armenian genocide? Yes. During yes. World War One. Yes. Most Armenians were under the, the rule of the Ottoman Empire at that time? Yes. And the Ottomans yes. drove out the Armenians or killed large numbers. It's an area that people are still disputing today. I mean, that uh, international community, um, some members have acknowledged that it was a genocide and some haven't, I guess. Yeah? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tell me about Komitas, the composer, and this song that he wrote in 1915 during this time. Komitas is a... He's a composer, he's a collector of songs, he's kind of a father of Armenian music. It was like he had preserved. Yes. He, he collected and he, preserved. He went um, from the village to the other village and collect uh, songs, uh, and he asked old people to sing, to dance, tell the stories, and he collected the songs, these melodies, and... Um, he composed them too. He arranged them uh, for for the piano. He arranged them for the choir. And in Istanbul, in Constantinopolis, he had a big choir with 120 singers. And when that genocide that time, he's kind of lost his mind. I, I think with everyone that happened. But uh, he wrote this children's song in 1915. And um, he tried by kids' mounts, ask the God life for their parents. Uh, he was asking for long life for their parents, parents. for the father, mother, and for protection. Yes. What do the words to this song actually say? Um, like our father, our father, Durmes Dur Koshanor, gave us give us your blessing, your, your blessing, Liuli Amenor, uh, in abundance every day, uh, every day. Hajmer, our father, our father, gave life to our mother. Give life to our father. Protect us by your right hand. Protect us with your by your cross, cross holy cross, cr holy cross, and our father, our protector. It it sounds like a prayer. Yeah. During the time of the genocide. Mm-hmm. And this is not a lullaby. This is a song that no. was intended to be sung by children. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that a lot of the Armenian lullabies are sad because of Armenian history. Do you yes. mean the genocide or do you mean other events as well? Oh, we had a lot of sad times in our history that became not only from Turks. Yeah, not only genocide time. Before genocide, after genocide, but... Yeah, unfortunately, not uh, only in genocide time. It mm. it's, uh, goes a little bit uh, far. Further back. Yeah, back. Many invasions. <laughs> yeah. Many, yes. Yeah. This is the 7th Avenue Project on Central Coast Public Radio, KUSP. 
I'm Robert Polly, and in this last show of the year, we're saying goodnight to 2009 with lullabies and other traditional music of Armenia. My guests are the singers Hazmik Haratsunyan from Armenia and Shira Sayan of the Bay Area's own Kitka Women's Vocal Ensemble. And before we get back to the conversation, here's Hazmik explaining a little bit more about the bond that she and many other Armenians feel with the ancestral region known as Mush, now part of Turkey. But uh, my grandmother, she never been scared to talk about genocide. And she always sang and she always uh, tell that, those stories. But, and um, she, all the time she uh, told uh, his, her sons, she had four kids in Soviet Armenia, but she was married in uh, Mush, in historical Armenia. And uh, her husband had been killed by Turks and her baby died, her child, and she never forget that. She got married in Soviet Armenia, but she always told, uh, like, against my grandfather, <laughs> she said, he can't be my husband. He's not my husband. My husband was Armenak, who been killed by Turks in Mush. And she said, this, this is, what country is this? Why are we proud about this country? This isn't country. You should see Mush and you will have something compared to this country. And when she was dying, uh, she she told the, her sons, please, when I will die, uh, take me and bury it in Mush. My father said, Mare, I can't do that. I can't promise you that because there is border. I can't do that. She said, what's the border for somebody who died? No border for, for that. And uh, when I've been in Mush, uh, that her, her voice, it's, it was always with me. And uh, when I was walking on the streets, I never uh, feel like I am not in my country. I am somebody. Uh, I never feel any dangerous from anybody because my roots, they were so st strong and that, that helped me to feel like I'm in my home. And now back to more song and conversation with Hazmik Hartsunian and Shira Sayan. Why don't we hear a, a, a different um, category of song that... You, Hazmik, and you, Shira, and Kitka sing, um, and you call these songs of longing. Mm -hmm. First of all, what, what do you mean by that, that category? Mm -hmm. Well, this all comes from uh, that first Armenian song that Kitka ever sang, uh, Gorani. And the version of that song was actually one of these Sovietized um, songs. That's what had come to us uh, from... Uh, an old recording uh, from the state ensemble, which was formed during Soviet times. But nobody could deny the beauty of the melody and, and also the sort of hypnotic, almost trance-like uh, effect of the rhythm. It's in a 5-8 yes. rhythm, uh, which is, has a very special effect musically. And... Um, so we started looking into this Gorani song because we were so captivated by it. This is before you'd even met Hasmik. Uh, yes, yes, yeah, before we had even met Hasmik. 
And what was so interesting is the text talks about Mush. It talks about the valleys of Mush and the fertile valleys of Mush and the scent of the air there. And, and uh, it talks about the land, but it also, there's this double meaning. It's, it's, it's love for the land, but it can also be interpreted as love for another person or a human being. Uh, but there's this longing because it, Armenian history, so many Armenians were deprived access to Mush for so many years. They were forced out. They were forced out. And then during Soviet times, the borders of Soviet Armenia were closed. So, so there was no access to home. So I think it has the same effect on a person's heart as being separated from their, their beloved. And all of that's in these songs. Um, there are lots of ways of preserving culture. What do you think 
music is especially good at preserving? What do you think it is in a culture that music expresses better than other forms? Music expresses more than words only because that's like two strong things together goes to the uh, brain and to the heart. And the audience is already on your hand. Mm. You can tell anything and they will understand you. <laughs> Shira, what have you learned about Armenian culture from singing Armenian songs? Hmm. Well, certainly there's so much history in the lyrics. And I think Kitka has been so fortunate uh, to be able to learn these Arme this body of Armenian songs from a person who's from that heritage, whose family has experienced the history firsthand. And, and I also think working with Hasmik, it's been more than just singing lessons. I think we've really gotten a sense of Armenian culture through cooking and through storytelling and through jokes and through a certain way of just being together. Um, I think <laughs> Armenians have a way of being together that's just very... How do I describe it? There's talking, there's laughing, there's joking, there's depth, there's um, oh, debate, there's... <laughs> this, that, that's the life. Yeah. Everything kind of together. In one house, sometimes it's a wedding. The neighbors uh, have something, uh, some problems. Yeah. That's, that's happiness and sadness goes kind of... Mm. Mm. Together, yes. The songs that you perform together, Kitka and Hazmik, you're all women. Are these all women's songs? Yeah, besides uh, a few songs which I sang uh, in the first part of uh, work songs, mm -hmm. Horovels, mm -hmm. those aren't uh, women's songs. Those are sung by men and women. But they were so beautiful. <laughs> you, mm. you just can't. <laughs> <laughs> and we're in California, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, there is an example here of a work song um, in your performance, and it was one I did want to play, and it's called Sand Ktsetsim. Uh, this is a threshing song, uh, a song when people are, are, are threshing wheat. Is that, is that right? Be beating. beating it. Beating the wheat <laughs> to separate the wheat from the chaff. Yeah, is that yes. the reason? Mm -hmm. And you said that some of these work songs aren't specifically women's songs, but uh, this one sounds like it's for women. It's yes. got some lyrics. Yes. <laughs> and there is jokes about husbands. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I was going. Hmm. Um, uh, according to my program notes, uh, the lyrics include, My husband is small like a baby chick. My husband is short. His pants have holes. <laughs> <laughs> Hey! 
<laughs> are these songs ways in which women though um get to express themselves freely in ways that they might not in the company of men uh, when they were working together like that that was kind of girls party <laughs> there was no man <laughs> and they could uh, tell their stories they could make jokes on their husbands <laughs> yeah. i also wanted to prove that not all armenian music is sad yes <laughs> <laughs> oh so that's really jokes. funny <laughs> that, those songs that, that uh, just helped them to work yeah without music without uh, jokes without uh, it's no fun to work <laughs> mm. Mm. Do you two have um, a favorite lullaby um, that you could you could sing a little bit together right now? Is it possible? And if if sure. not, I, I didn't um, prepare you, so you can say it, no. It is. It's possible. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you start. Um, so this is this is a lullaby that I first heard on Hasmik's Armenian lullaby CDs, and she taught it in our first workshop together in April two thousand and eight. And I just thought it was so beautiful beyond belief. I couldn't believe we were learning it. And then in preparations for our concerts, uh, we were all assigned a lullaby that Hasmik had, had taught us. And I felt so lucky to be able to sing this one because it's really maybe my favorite of all of them. I think my only reticence is I love hearing Hasmik sing it so much. <laughs> it made me nervous to sing it myself, but I'll try. Ori mori mori Oh, no. 
saying so so the text of that one is um mori my rock rock i rock you in the cradle um i i place the holy angels there with you to be your protectors um rock rock i rock you in the cradle your cradle made of gold with a handle of silver made of silver uh the sun and the moon are your playmates, and may the moon and the stars bring sleep to your sweet eyes, my dear one, my sweet one. Tell me, each of you, Shira and Hasmik, how this collaboration has affected you, and maybe how it's changed or added to your approach to music. For me, it's made me want to go to Armenia, <laughs> uh, and and especially to Mush. I think I really want, I would love to see this place that that gave birth to uh, such amazing songs and and such amazing people. And an interesting thing that I've noticed, I think this has been meaningful because sometimes I think it takes people from outside of a culture to remind people how valuable and precious their own culture is. And I think especially for immigrants here in the U.S., there's a, there's a pressure to assimilate, a, a pressure to succeed, to become more American. And I think to really offer something that reminds people of, of their culture in a purer form, in a more authentic form, the old songs, the old stories, the old sentiments, um, Again, it, it it just stimulates that feeling of belonging and also pride in in your humanity, and mutual understanding and cross cultural friendships, which I just think are so important in these times. And I think using something as essential as music and singing and lullabies, which get back to the most sort of elemental form of communication between people, the most primal form, you know, the first voice you hear before you're even born is your mother's voice. And I think when people get to talking about things that are the most essential or the most important to them, they, they invoke their mothers. <laughs> so I think this collaboration has reminded me of why music and why friendships and why cross, reaching out across cultures is so important. Azmik? I'm so happy about this friendship with Gidga. And I hope someday I was telling Shira, maybe uh, maybe we can do something important for the world, for the peace. 
because when I when I picture someday, I don't know how many countries in the map, and everyone from each country sing the same time lullaby, and for the peace, maybe that magic thing with will be happened and will we will have more peaceful uh, universe and this aggression so much aggression in the world i think that's our part shira to, to try to stop this aggression between people yeah yeah if you know the people's culture that makes a difference if you know uh, just one song you will try to understand their their uh, pain their situation yeah <laughs> Is this even possible between Armenians and Turks? Uh, that's kind of hard for me because I grew up the family. Uh, my grandmother, she she was always torturing us to tell the stories, and when we were uh, trying to stop her, it's enough talk about that. She she said no, it's never enough because still that's happening. And we are still wishing about our homeland, about big Armenia. I I don't think that's it's possible for my generation. I think it is a generational thing, and I think I think there is generational memory and and um, and hope with the future generations, which is what you're talking about by passing culture and and a feeling that's important to reach across cultures onto the to young people. And one of the parts of Hasmik's project with Kitka, her residency with Kitka, was she was working with very young kids in um, the Armenian American school, the KZV school in San Francisco. And was it just yesterday? It feels like so long yes. ago. <laughs> yesterday they had a little recital for the other school kids and she worked with the kindergartners, these adorable little kindergartners. She taught them these traditional lullabies, and it was amazing seeing them singing these songs, which they had never learned in their own households or even in their Armenian school, and and seeing that legacy being passed on uh, to these little children who are just all openness and and love and, and possibility. And, and I thought that was a very a beautiful... <laughs> elements of art collaboration too. <laughs> well, I thought I'd put um, this interview to bed with another lullaby. I guess this one's pretty famous. It's not traditional. It's more modern. Kunyagir Balas. Um, it's traditional lullaby and arranged by one of Komitas' students, Barsakh Kanachan. Oh, so it's both traditional and modern. Yes. Azmik, want to say a few words about it just to tell us what the story of this lullaby is? I'm just happy. This is the most uh, well-known lullaby, and almost every Armenian can sing with you. Because when I, when I was singing lullabies for for them, and I knew a lot of lullabies, and ever if I sing an hour non-stop lullabies, they will ask me, "Oh, how about Kunyagir Balas? <laughs> can you sing this one? It looks like they're just looking for it." <laughs> I can understand why. So we're going to hear Kunyagir Balas. And uh, I want to thank you both, Hasmik and, and Shira. 
Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And sure, I thought I'd uh, invite you to introduce the other members of Kitka who aren't with us in this room, but are in these songs that we've been hearing. Sure. So uh, the singers of Kitka for this collaboration are Caitlin Tabankai Austin, Leslie Bonnet, Bridget Boyle, Janet Katulis, Elizabeth Setzer, Lily Storm, and myself. Thanks again. Thank you.
And that's about it for this edition of the 7th Avenue Project. Special thanks today to Hazmik Haratsunian, as well as Shira Sion, Bridget Boyle, and other members of the Kitka Women's Vocal Ensemble. I'm Robert Polly. I'll be back next week in 2010. Until then, sweet dreams. And finally today, a last musical tribute of 2009. I lost someone very dear to me this past year. This was her song. <laughs>